verse number 11. Brother Harrelson, I'm just going to put this here in the pulpit, and you, you can use this next Sunday, all right? I, I can get another one off of Amazon. It'll be on my front porch before I get home next this week. So, so just And I'll watch the live stream to see how it went. So. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 12, verse number 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people. I, I, I picture I picture Peter in this verse standing I don't know perhaps in a darkened alley just outside the prison. And in the wee hours of the morning, perhaps Peter is still a little dazed from being awakened from sleep and doing his best to comprehend all that has transpired here in the middle of the night. Yet here Peter comes to this conclusion. This one thing I do know and I'm sure I may not have every other detail of how everything else has transpired but I do know this the Lord sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod I kind of feel that way tonight because I too have come to the understanding that I am where I am only by the goodness and the grace of God. I'm thankful God has brought me out. I want to preach tonight for just a few minutes on this subject, greater than Agrippa. Greater than Agrippa. I wonder if before we're seated, we could lift our voices unto heaven and ask God to help us over these next few minutes. Lord Jesus, how grateful we are for your presence that is certainly in this room. We thank you for your word that is already anointed. And I ask God that the anointing would flow off of the page tonight. Let it reach into every heart. Let it cover every mind. I pray that we would indeed be changed tonight by the power of your word and the witness of your spirit. We give you liberty, O oh God. I pray that faith would be stirred up in our hearts. Faith that would bring us to a responsiveness to your word. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Following in the footsteps of foul, evil men like Pharaoh, Saul, Ahab, Haman, Herod the Great, and Nero, who all of them had both proudly and publicly played the opponent against all things pure and godly. It's here in this 12th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles that King Herod Agrippa set himself against God and stretched forth his hands to vex the church. He had killed James, the brother of John, with the sword for no other reason but that uh, Herod Agrippa might make happy those Jews which despised the memory and the rapidly spreading message of Jesus Christ and His growing church in the earth. Therefore, to uh, ring out as much popularity as possible, Herod did what I might say any good devil does. He proceeded further to take Peter also. 
May I pause just for a minute today and insert this for somebody's benefit this evening. The devil is never satisfied, nor is he ever settled with just one mere success in our lives. But how many knows the devil will always come again? He'll always show up one more time. He'll always come with with another temptation. He'll always come with, with another scheme. He will always proceed further to take yet again. And so Herod Agrippa sows yet another seed hoping to reap another victory. This time he puts Peter in prison. His intention is to hold Peter in that prison until after the Passover feast and At that time, he would bring Peter forth and put him to death. Now, 14 years prior to this moment, when sent by Jesus to aid John in the preparation of the Passover feast, this same Peter had boldly declared unto the Lord, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and unto death. While Peter has been imprisoned prior to this moment, it seems as though the odds have been stacked against him. It seems as though this time Peter will not escape his prison cell. This time it seems as though Peter will be forced to live up to his own declaration and this prison in which he now sits will undoubtedly it seems give way to the bitter pains of a martyr's death. Now I'm sure that Peter had his own share of feelings as he sat in that stone cold dungeon awaiting his trial and death. But consider with me uh, the fear and, and the urgency that must have settled upon the church of the living God. One preacher had already died. And now they learn that another preacher sits on death row. Surely somebody asked themselves the question, if Peter is beheaded, who will Herod Agrippa kill next? One writer said, if the shepherd can't stand against the lion, then who will guard the sheep? Therefore, it was quite clear to see that that. As as far as the church was concerned, the odds were clearly stacked against them. This this negative narrative had been sat in motion. And it was clearly evident that this situation was desperate. They felt in so many ways that, that their hands were tied. And there was so little that they could do. After all, there was no amount of human ability or physical strength that the church could exert that had the power to turn the tide. There was no degree of intelligence or critical thinking that could revert these circumstances. No no persuasive argument that they could lean on that had the power to bail the preacher out. There was no program in place on which they could lean. There was no system that they could depend on that had the power to alter the outcome of what seemed to be inevitable. In fact, I'm convinced that they came to the understanding it's going to take somebody greater than Agrippa 
to turn this around. It's going to take someone greater than the guards that keep watch over Peter's cell. It's going to take something greater than the iron gate that stands between Peter's fetter and his freedom. If things are going to change, God's going to have to get involved. Having all of us found ourselves in a similar dilemma. Maybe you hadn't been in prison. I hope you hadn't. But surely all of us that sit in this room have found ourselves at a place of life where there was nothing left we could do. There was nowhere else we could go. There was nothing that we could try that had the power to change our present dilemma. If things were going to change, God was going to have to change God was going to have to step onto uh, the scene. Maybe there's someone that stumbled into this sanctuary on this very Sunday night uh, and you too, uh, man, feel uh, as though maybe this evening you are trapped uh, in some spiritual prison uh, with no visible means uh, of escape. Can I preach a little hope into your heart here tonight? Uh, I remind you that God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble ask ask Paul and Silas in their Roman jail cell ask John the revelator on Patmos ask Joseph in Potiphar's dungeon Ask Daniel in that den of lions. They would all agree in unison, I believe, that while I can do nothing without him, they would clearly state with God, all things are possible. I rise on this Sunday evening to declare there is one that is greater than stocks and chains. There is one that is greater than the separation of Patmos. There is one that is greater than Potiphar's lying wife. There is one that is greater than any lion that may roar. There is one and only one who is greater than the Agrippa in your life. He is before all things. And by him all things consist. Daniel said he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings. He is not just equal to and one of many. But he is in charge of it all. He sets them up and he brings them down. I love what John said. John said he in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Meaning that before any earthly king ever wore a crown or or wielded a scepter or sat upon a throne, ladies and gentlemen, God was already large and in charge. God was already ruling and reigning over it all. In fact, God was ruling over everything from darkness on day one to dust on day seven. And I submit to you that after all of these passing centuries, nothing has changed. God is still in control of all things. There is nothing the devil can do that can stop the reign of the almighty God. There is nothing that hell can bring against you that has the power, amen, to stifle out the power of the almighty God. Amen. I I, I make my case on scripture for Pharaoh afflicted Israel but God was greater than the power of Egypt. 
Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple, but he could not destroy the God of the temple. Haziel slew innocent children. Abimelech slew 70 brothers. Haman concocted an evil scheme. Jezebel killed the prophets of God. But ladies and gentlemen, God is not mocked. Herod the Great, or really I like to call him Herod the Not-So-Great, because anybody who thinks they are above God and could kill Christ at his birth is not great by any stretch of the imagination. Because God is greater. He, Herod the Great tried his best, amen, to ruin Christ and to rid him from that present society, but failed at doing so. Because however much power one man may receive, there is a God that is above it all. And so I rise tonight to, to speak hope and, and to resurrect faith within your heart. I don't know how discouraged you may be by your present dilemma. I just want to let you know, if is there a foe that is formed against you? No problem. You need God involved. Is there a trouble that's burdened you down? You need to get God involved. Is there a fear that has suppressed you? Is there a cloud that hangs over you? You need to get a God involved that is greater than anything that has come against you. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Is there a mountain you can't climb? You need God involved. Is there a river you can't cross? You need God involved. Is there a, is there a, a desert you don't know the way through? You need God to get involved and show himself to be greater. The Bible tells us that on the last night, before Peter was to be put to death. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. If you were to stop reading there, it wouldn't look real good. Things would look and seem very dreary. But I love how Luke continues to write and, and he seems to, to, to try to get our attention by using that word, behold. Don't dwell on all of the bad that seems to be evident. Don't dwell on the fact that there's two soldiers and two chains and a keeper of the door outside the prison. Luke says, behold this, the angel of the Lord came upon him. Even two chains, two soldiers, and the guard at the door couldn't keep God from showing up in the moment Peter needed him. What, what courage we find when looking at this text. I, I'm going to hurry but, but just for good measure here, let me, let me remind us of a couple of things about our God. First of all, it matters not how dark and how, how uh, dire our dilemma may be. Here's the truth. There is not anything our God can't do. There's not anything God can't do. Consider this. Luke said, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. That angel didn't need an escort to lead him through the prison and to guide him or, or direct him to the cell in which Peter sat. God didn't even need sleeping pills to take care of the soldiers that sat on either side of Peter. 
The Bible says that when the angel of the Lord showed up, he smote Peter on the side, causing enough of a ruckus to wake Peter up. But yet the two soldiers tasked with, with stopping any kind of escape situation from taking place, they're out cold. God didn't need sleeping pills to take care of those boys. Furthermore, God, God did not need the jailer's key in order to unlock that prison door. God, God didn't need bolt cutters in, a, in order to unfasten Peter's chains. Now, I'm from Oklahoma, and we got, we got a lot of good rednecks in Oklahoma, and so, so better than bolt cutters is a cutting torch. Those are a lot more fun to use. <laughs> and God didn't even need a cutting torch to unfasten Peter's chains. I, 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 I pause, and I know that sounds very elementary. I, I pause to make that, those statements this evening uh, because here's the truth. Uh, our God is not dependent uh, upon any human means. We tend to look at our dilemma and we begin to calculate this is what it's going to take to overcome this. This is what God's going to have to do to get me out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not bound to material things. Our God can do anything. And in 2022, he's still got the power to break chains. He's still got the power to open prison doors. He's still got the power to silence enemies. He's still got the power to push back darkness. There's not anything God can't do. Not only that, but there's no place... God can't go. Amen. Do you understand? The angel sent from God that night did not show himself in the courts before the king. The angel didn't show up in, in even the holy place of the temple. The one man whom the angel of God had been sent to see was one man sitting on death row. That man was shut up amid stone cold walls, asleep on a cold floor, bound with iron chains. That man was what many of society would consider the least among men in the lowest place of life, at the end of himself. Can I preach to somebody? It does not matter where life left you or how deep or how dark in the things of this world you may be. There is no place our God can't go. He'll reach into any pit. He'll walk through any fire. He'll push back any river. He'll open wide any prison door. He'll go to any depth. He'll break any bond. and He'll deliver or destroy any addiction because there's no place our God can't go. So desperately needing God to intervene. The Bible tells us that the church turned to the one thing they could do. After all of the things they couldn't do. When it felt as though their hands were tied and their options were short. They turned to the one thing they could do that was guaranteed to get God's attention. Acts chapter 12 and verse number 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing. I'm convinced as, as the Passover played out and, and days went by and, and Peter was kept in that 
prison house. I see old Herod Agrippa just full of pride, anxiously awaiting that day that his plan will be fully executed. And in the waiting, Agrippa is just so confident of his plan. Every safeguard had been put in place. Every mechanism by which he could employ that would ensure the imprisonment of Peter. Agrippa had taken care of it all, he thought. Because little did Herod Agrippa know that his manipulative evil scheme was being directly contradicted and would soon be unraveled at the seams. Not not by protests outside the prison gates. Not not by uh, inciting riots or radical behavior. Not by human force or certainly not by military might. But ladies and gentlemen, from the home of John Mark's mother, there came an opposing force against hell. Amen. Against all of that Herod's evil agenda. A, a, a force that was far more powerful than any chain any prison bar. Though Herod Agrippa had done his dead level best to ensure that nothing could go wrong and Peter could not escape, he failed to consider the power of prayer. Because ladies and gentlemen, when nothing else will work, prayer still works. Amen. When nothing else, amen, will do, prayer will do. Prayer is still that one thing that will always get God involved. It's still true what James said. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much or it is full of power. Herod Agrippa seemed to forget this and our enemy may forget this but God forbid you and I ever forget that prayer is always the proper response. Prayer is always the appropriate action. Amen. For every struggle that we face. Amen. Prayer is not the last thing we do. Prayer is the very first thing we do. Might I say it's the first thing and it's the last thing. We do just as the church did. When I pray and the answer didn't come, I don't throw up my hands and just surrender. I pray one more time. And if the answer doesn't come, I pray again. It may take seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven years but I'm going to pray until God shows up can I just challenge somebody in the Holy Ghost you may feel like you've got no other option you've still got the best option you can pray until heaven comes down I may not be able to do anything else, but I'm not at a disadvantage. I can pray. I may be persecuted, but I can pray. I may be pushed down, but I can pray. I may be crushed, but I can pray. I may be troubled on every side, but I can pray until God gets involved. Oh, I wish somebody would clap your hands and give God a little praise in this house. Hallelujah. 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 But I must say, beyond just the mere fact that God acted on Peter's behalf, 
as a result of prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, God required Peter to act himself. There is this great misconception concerning deliverance. And that is, well, if I can just get God involved, then, then everything's going to be all right. If I, can, if, if I can just get in the sanctuary, if I can just get to church, everything will just work out. If, if pastor will just preach the right sermon, and if, if the praise team will sing uh, the right song, then everything will just magically fall into place. If I can get within proximity of God, then everything will work out, amen, for my good. But the problem with that is we leave out the factor that God requires us at some point to also get involved. For after the angel of the Lord had broken through the darkness of that dungeon with its radiant presence, the angel of the Lord gave Peter this directive in that seventh verse. The angel said, Arise up quickly. Therefore, at this point, to me, this is a turning point in the chapter. It, it's, a, it's a turning point in the story because as of, as of that moment, it no longer mattered how many miracles God had performed to get where Peter was. The completion of Peter's deliverance hinged not on God's Power or ability. The completion of this deliverance hinges not on God's performing another miracle or, or performing some sign or wonder. The completion of Peter's deliverance hinged totally on Peter's obedience. Peter, God has shown up in this prison cell. God has conquered impossible odds to get where you are. But if you're going to get out of here, Pete, you got to get up. You've got to respond in obedience and pick yourself up, put yourself on your feet. And decide if God has made it possible for me to walk free. I'm not going to stay down according to my own will. I'm not going to choose to be settled here. I'm getting up and I'm walking free. Can I just preach to somebody right now? I'm certainly no angel, but I feel like a messenger from heaven right now to somebody. You've been settled in that place long enough. You've been down in the darkness long enough. You've laid complacent long enough. God says, get up. I am making ways in the wilderness. I'm opening wide prison doors. Now it's your turn to get up and follow me. Praise God. I know it's been preached a million times, but we, we, we so often convince ourselves that we are waiting on God, yet more often times than not, we are not waiting on God. God is waiting on you and I to realize what He's done and to realize what He has given us to do. He is waiting on us to align ourselves with the directive that He has given us unto us and get up from where we've been. 
I know it's easy to just 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 stay stay in that prison house it's so easy that after seven days surely Peter found a way to get comfortable surely he found a way to manage but I believe Peter something well we know Peter was rash and radical anyhow and I'm convinced at the word of that angel calling Peter to get up and to arise I'm convinced Peter didn't dilly-dally around. Peter didn't wait. Peter didn't weigh his options. I'm convinced that Peter jumped up and said, if heaven waits, they won't be waiting on me. I'm ready to go where God is leading me. I'm here to preach to somebody for a minute. You want to see a miracle? Get up. You want to see what God is really able to do? Get up and ready yourself to go where God is leading you. Amen. You want to defeat that thing that you thought would defeat you? Get up. You want to go somewhere in God? Get up. You want to do something for God? Get up. You want to go beyond where you've been? Get up. Don't stay in the prison. Don't stay laid down in your place of ease. Get up and say, God, I'm going where you're leading me. Because here's the truth, and I'm not going to preach much longer, but here's the truth. In fact, I would venture to say, if, if you don't remember anything else I preached tonight, remember this statement. God will always do what only God can do. But you must do what only you can do. Notice in this story, the angel took care of the soldiers. Not only just the two on either side of Peter, but... There's that, there's that big Q word there, Brother Harrelson, that I'm from Oklahoma and can't pronounce. Quaternity there, thank you. Came to, came to lower Alabama to learn how to learn these big words here. Not only two soldiers, but as many as 16 soldiers posted in shifts to guard the preacher in his prison cell. So the angel took care of all these soldiers. He took care of the two sitting closest to the preacher. God took care of the chains that were fastened to his body. God took care of the door that was bolted and locked. But notice what the angel told Peter after Peter got up. The angel said, Peter, you're going to have to put your own belt on. You're going to have to put your own shoes on your own two feet. Peter, you're going to have to put your own coat around your own shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, there are just some things God won't do. Oh, God can do it all. He can move mountains, break chains, and open prison doors. But there comes a point, ladies and gentlemen, where God throws the ball back into your court and said, I've done what only I can do. Now you must do what only you can do. Therefore, can I submit to you At this point, Peter's involvement was just as important as God's involvement. I don't don't mean to to, to sound sacrilegious because I believe in the power of God. And I believe that things change when God gets involved. But I believe that things change to a greater magnitude when we get together with God. And we do what God has asked of us. Oh, what, what, what miracle could take place in your family at the simple act of doing what you are able to do. What kind of change could come to pass in your present circumstance? 
if you could ever understand. I'm going to act on every word and every promise of God, but I'm not just going to leave it all up to God. Whatever I can do, that's what I will do. So I, 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 took, a, I took a chunk, and I, I'm closing. Uh, I took a chunk of my message, and I preached to you what God can do. But ladies and gentlemen, there's power in what you can do. There's power in what you can do. Don't you dare limit the potential of, of what you can do and what your action can make, the impact your action can make on the kingdom of God. I don't have time to go into the story of that woman who break her alabaster box of costly ointment and poured it upon the head of Christ. What did Jesus say? She hath done what she could. She hath done what she could. She withstood ridicule and she withstood mockery. But what she did became the anointing of Christ's body for his death and his burial and his resurrection. Others can do what others want to do. But as for me, I'm going to do what I can to follow the will of God for my life. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody would throw your hands up in the air right now. Come on, would you open your heart and say, God, I refuse to stay complacent. I refuse to be held captive. I refuse to be held in this place of bondage. God, I'm coming out and I am doing what you have asked of me. Praise God. Peter was, Peter was so sleepy he hardly knew what was happening. The angel of the Lord ushered him once he got up and got himself ready. The angel of the Lord ushered him past those sleeping soldiers through the first and second ward beyond the iron gate out into the street in the front of that prison. And Peter says, this I know, the Lord hath delivered me. The Lord hath delivered me. I'm just crazy enough to believe that on a Sunday night at the Pentecostals of Dothan, if you will do what only you can do, God is able to meet you at the point of your need. And oh, what a deliverance could take place in this house on a Sunday night. Ladies and gentlemen, just one prayer of repentance, amen, could, could open the floodgate of heaven in your life. I know it's Sunday night. Maybe I'm preaching to the cream of the crop tonight. I don't know. Amen. But just one obedient prayer of repentance could cause heaven to rejoice. Just one obedient action of, of, of aligning yourself with the gospel and being buried in the waters of baptism, having the name of Jesus Christ call over your life. Because I told you, only God will always do what only God can do, but you must do what only you can do. Only God could go to the cross and be that perfect, sinless sacrifice. Only He could do that. Nobody else was worthy. And only you can identify with His death. Only you can pray that prayer of repentance. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can, can, can do it on your behalf. That's something that only you can do. Only, only, only Jesus could go to the grave, be buried, take back the keys of death and of hell, spoiling principal. Only God could do that, but only you can identify with his burial. By being buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Only you can do that. Only Jesus could get up on the third day, be 
resurrected from that tomb. And only you can make the decision to receive into your life that same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. Just because he got up and we believe it doesn't automatically mean that we are filled with resurrection power. You must do what only you can do and that is receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost as it was poured out on the day of Pentecost. God will do what only God can do but you must do what only you can do. Praise God. I'm closing. Musicians come. I would submit to you that the name of your enemy does not matter tonight. That adversary in Acts 12 was named Agrippa, but oh, the Agrippas that present themselves in all of our lives. But the name of your circumstance doesn't surpass the ability of God. The severity of your problem doesn't matter. Because I submit to you as I close tonight, God is well able to take care of your enemy. I I wish I had the time to preach the whole chapter. I love this story. But after discovering... Peter's escape from that prison cell. Herod Agrippa ordered the killing of those guards tasked with keeping that preacher in prison. And Herod Agrippa, embarrassed and furiously angered at what had transpired, he rushes off to Caesarea where he yet again began seeking to get in the good graces of the people. In another place, before another people, he begins trying to sway them and manipulate them with his political schemes. The Bible says that Herod Agrippa arrayed himself in a royal garment woven with silver threads so that it glittered in the sunlight. And there Herod Agrippa Agrippa delivered a fanciful speech before the people to which the people responded in awe saying surely that is the voice of a God and not of a man let's just be real Herod Agrippa had felt like anything but a God back in Jerusalem his plan had been unraveled at the scene Now, the people before him in Caesarea are praising him as something more than he really is. And so, to puff up his own pride and to stroke his ego, Herod Agrippa sits back on his throne and he enjoys the worship and the praises to him as a God. Yet the Bible says that the angel of the Lord smote him with a sudden disease because he gave not God the glory. In a matter of days, the worms ate of his flesh. And old Herod Agrippa gave up the ghost. What an ending to a story. That destroyer had stretched forth his hand against the church. God said in the end, I will destroy him that sought to destroy you. God defeated the very one that tried to defeat the church of the living God. So I tell you on this Sunday evening, it matters not what is running loose in your life. 
It matters not what enemy has formed against you. It matters not what voice of doubt or fear or opposition has shouted in your ear and tried to cower you down from that place of faith. You hear this preacher, God knows how to take care of every enemy that we face. He's greater than Agrippa. He's greater than Agrippa. And I close with this. I believe that you can stand. I believe that the smiting of Herod Agrippa in Acts chapter 12 seems to me more than just God taking care of one ruler at one moment of time. It seemed to me that God was executing judgment upon upon that lineage of leaders who for years now had persecuted Christ and tormented His church. Herod Agrippa was just one in a long line. Going back, if my math is correct, counting backwards from Herod Agrippa in Acts 12, some 45 years back to when Christ was born in Bethlehem and Herod the Great sought to kill every male child. So could it be that when God smote Herod Agrippa in Acts chapter 12, it was more than just executing vengeance on one man who had killed a preacher and tormented another. Could it be that God was bringing an end to a long, tenured struggle? He didn't wipe the whole family out. There's Herodian leaders that continue on through the book of Acts, but it seems from what I found, they are no longer persecutory toward the church. Rather, in one moment, God seemed to put an end to a 45-year-old struggle. This has gone on long enough. And in one moment, God said, I'll bring it all to an end. Can I I reach for somebody? I'm, I'm about to open these altars. Can I reach for somebody right now? I don't know how long you have struggled. I don't know for how much time that Agrippa in your life has lied to you and tormented you. I still believe that in one moment, our God is able to bring every struggle to an end. God is able to bring absolute and total victory over every struggle. Could we lift our hands all over this room right now? Ah, feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, would you lift your voice all all over this room right now? Herod Agrippa was was removed, and the Bible says the word of the Lord grew and multiplied. I wonder what could happen tonight if we would involve ourselves right now with what God is doing. I believe God could well take care of an enemy tonight. And I I believe that God could multiply His Word. God could bring some things to pass in your life on a Sunday night. Come on, these altars are open. They're getting ready to sing. We're going to let God move in this house right now. But I wonder if there's someone that would step out from your chair and say, God, I'm not just going to wait on you. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do what I can do. And I will trust that you will conquer every adversary that I face. Come on, from all over this sanctuary. I wish you'd come to this front right now. I believe there's victory that can take place. I believe an enemy can be silenced tonight. I believe deliverance can come. Come on, whatever you need from God, I wish you'd throw your hands in the air. I wish you'd begin to trust God, Lord. I know you're able. I'm going to do my part tonight. I'm not staying down. I'm not staying back. God, if you say get up, I'm getting up.